bless you. Welcome to BlendCouragesYou.com, where we are here with the word of the Lord to encourage you to stay on the wall for the Lord. My name is Blend, and I count it a privilege and a blessing to be here with you today on the 20th episode of our podcast. Well, what we have coming up is Speech Therapy Part 5. We are continuing our conversation on some of the idle words that continue to creep in to our conversation, sometimes unbeknownst to us. Let's talk about it. So take this few moments to go ahead and get your Bibles, your notebooks, something to write with, a snack, and settle on in. Blaine encourages you, is coming to you with Speech Therapy Part 5. That's what's coming up next. BCU family, we're going to dig into our study in just a few moments. I would love to address those who are landing on this podcast for the very first time. So since we are in speech therapy part five, we've got four parts which precede this. And it would be a really good idea if you can to listen to parts one through four. So if you are on the blaincouragesyou.com site, Head over to where it says series and studies and you'll see speech therapy listed there for your viewing and for your listening edification. The notes are on the blaincouragesyou.com site. If you happen to be listening on Stitcher Radio or on iTunes, you can just head right out to the main area see all the podcasts that are listed, and check out Speech Therapy. You'll see them all listed in sequential order. You can listen again at your leisure and then loop back to part five as soon as you get a chance. Amen? Amen. All right, so Speech Therapy part five, the conversation continues. Last time we were together, we talked through some of the examples of idle words that can come out of our mouths, including talking a long period of time and really not saying things that are edifying. So you can catch up with that on Speech Therapy Part 4. And the scriptural base for that really came out of Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, where Jesus reminds us that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth does speak. He goes on in verse 36 to say that every idle word that men shall speak, they will have to give an account for it in the day of judgment. And once again, that's Matthew chapter 12. That was verses 34 and 36. I really recommend, if you can, to go ahead and start at verses 32 and go on down to 37. So keeping that in mind, we want to make sure that our words are not idle. So that scripture, Matthew chapter 12, 
really does complement our anchor scripture. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And that's Psalm 19, 14. So that's our anchor scripture. So we've got two really good ones so far. We're going to add some more. We've got some more word because we've got to be steeped in this thing, everybody. And our next passage of scripture comes out of the book of James chapter three. So I won't read the entire passage of scripture in your hearing due to time constraints, but it's James chapter three, verses two through 12. And basically what James is saying is, is that, you know, a horse will obey us by us putting a, something called a bit in the horse's mouth and that ships as large as they are on the water and are driven of fierce winds are turned about with a very small helm. The tongue is a little member of our body and it boasts great things and it also kindles a lot of fire. As a matter of fact, the scriptures say that the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity, and it defiles the whole body. James also goes on to say that all types of beasts and birds and serpents and things of the sea have been tamed, but no man can tame the tongue. It is full of unruly evil and deadly poison where we bless God in one instance and then turn around and curse men which were made in the image of God. Finally, James lets us know that a fountain cannot send forth sweet and bitter water, neither can a fig tree bear olive berries. So no fountain can bring forth salt water and fresh. So it's either good what's coming out of our mouths or it is not. So there's no middle ground here. So I don't know about you, but it sounds like I, I think we've got some work to do, myself included. So let's dig in. Let's talk about the non-listener or hasty speaker. We've got a couple of scriptures here that's going to really help to cement your understanding with this type of idleness. So the scriptures say, wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. And that's found again in the book of James chapter one, verses 19 and 20. Proverbs 29 and 20 says, see a man that is hasty in his words, there is more hope of a fool than him. Mm. And then a third scripture says, he that answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and a shame to him. And that's in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 13. The non-listener or the hasty speaker. You know, the Lord has brought this to my attention, both as the offender and the offended. 
And I probably noticed it more as I was offended a couple of times recently. And I've got to tell you, BCU family, I like that probably as much as I like a big old plate of beets, meaning that I didn't like it, (laughs) didn't like it one bit. Let me tell you my story. So after setting up a meeting with someone to get clearance for a special task, I really wanted to give this individual the background as to why I needed the special clearance. Now, I'm all about making sure that, you know, you understand that I'm doing certain things for certain reasons so that nothing comes back to get me later. So I wanted to make sure that this person understood. So in mid-explanation, this individual cuts me off. Okay, and gives me a solution to my clearance, so to speak. So I listened quietly and heard a question finally from this person that said, well, is that what you were leading up to? My response, no, no, it wasn't. He that answers a matter before he hears it It is a folly and a shame to him. Proverbs 18, 13. Another conversation I had with someone, we were discussing a particular topic and didn't quite agree on the conclusion of the matter. Every time I wanted to explain why it is that I didn't agree, this individual also cut me off trying to get their point across. So finally, I just decided to remain silent. <laughs> I, I exercised my right to remain silent and just listened to what the person was saying. After a few minutes, uh, the person noticed that I was quiet and wanted to uh, sort of know why. Hmm... All right, so those are two examples. Something else to think about with the hasty speaker or the non-listener is when we cut into a conversation while someone is talking and switch the subject, sort of like the shell game. You know, I'm chuckling. Really, that's not of God when you think about it. I know that I've done this to people, maybe out of excitement or wanting to get the point in while it was still fresh in my mind, or whatever the case may be, my intentions may have been good. But what did my action do to the speaker? How did I make them feel? Did I make them feel like I was listening to them? Or was I just waiting for them to hush so that I could talk? When you think about this, BCU family, these particular areas, they're all birthed out of the pride of life. And we talked about that in a previous study where self-exaltation and exaggerated importance tells you that the people or persons that are currently speaking do not matter. It says that you, when we interrupt people, have the right 
And you can trump whatever that other person is saying because you know better. You have the answer, although you weren't asked for the answer yet. You are superior. You have lived longer than an individual. I don't have to listen to this. I'd like to end the conversation. I have better things to do. She is taking too long to express herself. I know exactly what you wanted to say. All of those things as they're going on in our heads and as we act them out in conversations when we're not listening, it is the spirit of pride. And that's something with God's help that we want to be sure to let go of. We want to let go of that spirit of the pride of life. Bottom line here is use your ears twice as much as your mouth. So next up is what I like to call excess wording. And there are a few areas here that we want to pay special attention to. Let me give you the scripture basis and then we'll talk more. Our scripture here will be taken from Matthew chapter 5 verses 33 through 37. Again, you have heard that it has been said by them of the old time, you should not forswear yourself, but you shall perform unto the Lord your oaths. But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay. For whatever is more than that comes of evil. And again, that's Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37. So in thinking about this, talking about swearing, that was the first thing that Jesus mentioned here. Most of us know that out and out blatant swear words are not of God. That's vulgar. It's communication that's evil. That's filthy communication. And that's something that the saint of God that has the Acts 238 experience, the baptism in Jesus name and being filled with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. We do not go around practicing using foul language. So most of us know that. Most of us know that. What about the swearing substitutes that we use? Yes. Do we have to say, oh my gosh, we know what we're substituting that for. Do we have to say, oh geez, because really that's Jesus. So it, it may sound like it's minutia. Talk to the Lord about it and let him confirm in your heart if those are the things that we should be saying or if they are idle words. Do we really need to say that? Are they idle words? 
All right, so that's one area. Why is it that we need to swear to God or on someone's grave or make some other ridiculous claim to get someone to believe that we are telling the truth? Is our word not enough? Especially if we (laughs) are practicing telling the truth all the time. This is really something for us to think about. Again, more idle words. So when telling our story, what we really want to do is stick with the yay and the nay. And that's basically saying the truth of the story without any uh, any of the extra details or embellishments or anything that we want to add. Because when we start to add details that really aren't there, we're not being truthful And the scripture says that anything other than yea and nay, it comes of evil. That means that's evil coming out of your mouth. And we talked about that in James chapter 3, that the tongue is full of evil and deadly poison. So we want to stick to the truth of the matter. Something else under excess wording is empty promises or promising You are going to do something when you really can't. And that sounds like this. Knocking someone into next week or to kingdom come. If such and such happens, I'll eat my hat. Go on and shake her hand. Shake her hand until it comes off. Now, listen, I know that these phrases are things that we use or things like what you just heard. We use those and you might be saying, well, that's innocent and very harmless and it really doesn't mean anything. And I I can understand that myself included. The Lord impressed upon me in my heart to think about it, though. If you something happens, would you really eat your hat? Would you really do that? Can you really knock someone into next week, next month, next year? No, no, we can't. And when we think about it, God never, never said anything that he could not do. Anything God said, he did it. He backed it up. So we want to refrain from practicing this form of idle chatter. Last up are hasty emotional responses. Ecclesiastes 5 lets us to know not to be rash with our mouths and not to let our hearts be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven and we are on the earth. Therefore, let thy words be few. So in the emotional state sometimes that we're in, we can say, well, you know what? God, if you do this, I promise I'll do that. God, if you don't ever answer another prayer, 
as long as I got Jesus, I don't need anybody else. Sounds good. And I understand the heart of where some of those things are coming from. So let's start with that last one first. I don't need anybody else. Does God not work through people? Are we not called to love and interact with people? No, no, no. We don't worship them. We do need one another. And one scripture says that one plants, the other waters, and God gives the increase. And that's 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7. So as popular as that is, we do need people. Going to the other thing that we just talked about, should we bargain with God? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. God takes what we say seriously. And there is an example of that in Judges chapter 19, where Jephthah vowed that if he was victorious in battle, he would sacrifice the first thing that came out of the house. And it happened to be his only daughter. So bottom line here, in our anger or our excitement, we need to honor God with how we speak. All right, BCU family, so we're going to get ready to wrap up speech therapy part five. I hope that this was eye-opening for you. I know it was for me, and definitely there's some work that needs to be done on my part. So why don't we do this? Let's commit with the help of the Lord to asking God to weed out these types of idle words from our hearts, mouths, and vocabulary, and let's replace that idling with more of the word of God. We can do all of these things through Christ that strengthens us. Amen? Amen. So next time, if the Lord says the same, we're going to come back with some more speech therapy. We've got a part six on deck and you do not want to miss that. So thank you so much for tuning in and spending some time here on BlendCouragesYou.com. Once again, my name is Blend. I pray that God bless you, that he keeps you, that he makes his face to shine upon you. And until we're together again, stay on the wall.